Good morning, afternoon, and evening. Welcome to the 8311Cast, a premier Midwestern-based sports podcast, bringing you all things sports to your beautiful ears. Join your hosts, Kyle Mersch, Michael Ludwig, and Wyatt Tudor, as we talk to you about the NBA, the MLB, and of course, our signature segments, your weekly turtle tab, Mike's Stupid Rules, and our fourth season of Write That Down Predictions here on episode 132. Shout out to Kyle for this fun fact. Notre Dame baseball scored more in one game than their football team has scored in all of their playoff appearances combined. Those playoff appearances for the Notre Dame Fighting Irish were three points in the 2018-19 Cotton Bowl versus Clemson, which they lost, and 14 points in the 2020-2021 Rose Bowl versus Alabama, which they lost, were a combined total of 17 points. They scored, their baseball team scored 26 points this past uh, Saturday, correct? Yes. Yeah, yes, in their uh, regional semifinal game against UConn. They beat UConn 26 to 3. In one game. Yeah. One game. Yeah. I mean, to be fair, that is still more more points than Iowa State football has scored in, in the college football playoffs as well. But still. That's true. I, I mean, that is true, but yeah. At least Iowa State hasn't gotten embarrassed in a college play- football playoff game yet either. So we have that You're to right. brag about. Notre Dame scored eight runs in the ninth inning of that game. Like, come on, guys, you're up 18 to three. Do you really got to score eight more? Yeah, games really? Insurance. Yeah. I mean, if you give up 15 runs in the ninth inning, you don't deserve to win. So there's no mercy rule in baseball. I know. I agree. So it should be. If you suck, you got to own it. Own that you suck. Own the suck. Yes, exactly. Well, speaking of playoffs and some teams who definitely had to own the suck, uh, the NBA playoffs are continuing. Every uh, series has now ended in the first round. Every team now is on to the, or the teams that advanced, they're in the semis of the NBA uh, finals right now. Uh, And just some trivia for Mike and Wyatt right now, which out of the remaining teams, the remaining eight teams in the playoffs, which was the last uh, NBA championship for a team in the playoff? So who won it most recently? I'll give you, if you need a rundown of who's currently left, the Mavericks, the 76ers, the Bucks. Hawks, Suns, Nets, Jazz, Nuggets, and Clippers. Bonus points if you can guess the year, too. Go through those teams one more time for me. Mavs, 76ers, Bucks, Hawks, Suns, Nets, Jazz, Nuggets, and Clippers. It's either the Suns or the Mavs. Wyatt, do you have any guesses? Mike is going to defer to Mike. I'm I'm going with the Mavs. Ding, 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 ding. You got it correct. Dirk, and Dirk Nowinski Navs, probably back in 2012-ish. Hey, that's really close. 2011. Uh, they were playing the Miami Heat that year. That would have been the LeBron James Miami Heat in 2011, I believe, is when they were when that series happened. I'll have to double check. But out of all of those teams... Bonus question, out of eight teams, how many teams have never won an NBA t- championship out of those eight? Bucks, Nets, uh, let's see, 
Let, list them you, off again. You already got one wrong. List them off again. Oh, why? Go ahead. No, I got my hand because I'm going to say there's five teams that have not won. Or you are, actually, you are correct. That was nice. There's five teams. Just to be clear, that was entirely a guess. Which ones are they, Kyle? The Suns have never won. Jazz, Nuggets, Clippers, and the Nets have oh, never the won an NBA. won with, yeah, with Kareem. Okay, fine. Yep, 1971, the Bucks won. So after that trivia session, now you know some of the teams that are actually left in the NBA uh, playoffs right now. So we'll start in the Western Conference. Uh, the Clippers ended up winning the only home game of the series to advance. They beat the Mavericks and Luka Doncic at, as they finally came back to win that series. They went down, obviously, 0-2 to start. The Clippers were expected to win this game pretty easily. Uh, before the playoffs even started, they lost the last game of the season because they apparently preferred to play the Mavs over the Portland Trailblazers in the uh, playoffs, and that was the only series that went to seven games uh, in the first round. So the Clippers ended up winning. Kawhi Leonard kind of willed his team to the uh, to advance in the postseason at the end, uh, as he and the rest of the team looked a little lifeless to begin that series against the Mavs. The Jazz, as the top overall seed in the Western Conference, easily upended the Grizzlies. Uh, that was not much of a series at all. That one ended fairly quickly, uh, and the Jazz, as the top seed, rolled on. The Nuggets out ousted basically Dame Lillard. Uh, Damian Lillard was the only player for the Portland Trailblazers who showed up to play any of this series. Uh, he had multiple 40-point games in this series, and he's obviously, and I would be very frustrated too with the team. He is the only one who consistently uh, puts out any uh, production for this team in the playoffs. Um, It'll be interesting to see if he ends up staying in Portland. Uh, He has been very vocal about wanting to uh, make it further than just the first round in the playoffs. And so I believe he will be on a new team next season. Uh, And then the Lakers. They looked absolutely pathetic against the Suns. Uh, The Suns came in as the number two overall seed, and it was very clear that throughout this series, you knew what you were going to get from the Suns. Very consistent basketball. And when uh, Chris Paul is at least 70% healthy or 80% healthy, they are easily a top three team in the NBA. Uh, it's just what you get from that team is consistency. Devin Booker in the final game of that series uh, scored 40 plus uh, for the Suns, and they just had so much more will and athleticism than the Lakers did. I don't know if a lot of our listeners saw some videos of LeBron James just complaining and then walking down the court. He was gassed. Uh, And for an older player like LeBron and an absolutely injury-prone fragile, frail, whatever adjective you want to use. Tyler, Anthony do you hate Davis. Can we stop and ask no, 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 LeBron no. James? No, I'm not. What I'm, I'm trying to get to a point for a fragile Anthony Davis too, who wasn't able to uh, really make it through this entire series as well. When your two stars aren't able to show up, it's, it's going to be a tough series. And last year obviously was such a, uh, 
interesting year for this team because they got four months off to rest. So two older players got four months off. They were healthy for the bubble postseason run that they had. And it showed when they made it to the finals and won the, won a championship. But now without that four month hiatus in the middle of the season, I, I believe that at least for those two players, LeBron's probably going to have to pair with a younger player who can actually stay healthy rather than Anthony Davis if he hopes to win another championship in L.A. Um, I think I think the LeBron James Anthony Davis time in L.A. might have to come to an end if LeBron James wants to win more championships as a Laker uh, because Anthony Davis just seemed to be whenever he was on the court and was playing well with high energy, he seemed to be more crucial to the Lakers success than LeBron. LeBron only had one game of 40 plus points so far this season. So his production of being able to carry a team throughout the entire season seems to be waning slightly. Uh, But if Anthony Davis can't stay on the court an entire season, LeBron James is going to have a hard time continuing to win championships by carrying the team. He's not the young spry individual he used to be when he was a Cleveland Cavalier or even uh, a a, down in Miami with the Heat and Dwayne Wade. So the Lakers are going to have to press the reboot button if LeBron wants to win another championship down there. Kyle, do you hate LeBron James? I I don't dislike him, but you you have to. No, no, no. That's not the point that I was trying to get across there. The point that I'm trying to get across here is the Lakers have a ton of work to do this offseason if they want to use LeBron in his window of still being young enough to win NBA championships. The Lakers are going to have to make some serious roster moves, and it's going to possibly start with maybe trying to trade Anthony Davis and get younger and get healthier uh, in order to keep LeBron fresher towards the end of the season. So... That was the point that I'm trying to get across, not the fact that I dislike LeBron James. So that's that. Uh, Out of the West, we do have four uh, former Cyclones who will be moving on. Just to note, Monte Morris and the Denver Nuggets moved on. Uh, The Jazz feature both George Yang and Matt Thomas, and then the Suns also feature uh, Abdul Nader, but he has been sidelined with, I think, a meniscus injury. So... Uh, Monte Morris will be in prime time in that series against the Nuggets. The last two games, he was hard to keep off the court. He was playing more time as a uh, bench player than the starting point guard, just because he had uh, two 20 plus point games uh, and a very high assist to turnover ratio as well. So being the floor general that he always was for the Cyclones, he was hard to keep off the court in the playoffs. Moving on to the East. Uh, we're going to roll through this just like the Bucks rolled through the heat. They obliterated them. This wasn't a series at all. Uh, the Bucks won in four games. It was the fastest uh, series to end so far in the playoffs. And it was very clear that the heat were very much overmatched throughout the series. Uh, it really hurt that Victor Oladipo was not able to play. That was a big trend uh, acquisition that they made. Um, and him being sidelined for the end of the season hurt that team tremendously. Uh, Trey Young and company easily handled the surprise Knicks. Uh, the Knicks, it was a great story this season, but they didn't have enough playoff experience in order to, um, well, I guess beat another team that doesn't have a lot of playoff experience either. But Trey Young was just too much for them, and they, the Atlanta Hawks have moved on as well. 
Philadelphia cruised past the Washington Wizards. This was also not much of a series. Joel Embiid and Ben Simmons led the way in those games. Uh, and Russell Westbrook in the Bradley Beal experiment. Uh, they, it continues there in Washington, but there isn't there. There's not two balls to share, and for two uh, two guards who like to handle the ball a lot and put up a lot of points, it's hard for them to get a lot of uh, you know. It's hard for them to develop that chemistry when they're both like to be around the ball that much. They need two basketballs on the court, but there isn't. Uh, a team that shares the ball really well. The Nets ousted the Boston Celtics. KD and James Harden were phenomenal in this series. Uh, just a note to point out that Kevin Durant so far this postseason in that series has been averaging 32 points per game. Uh, the last time that he made an appearance in the playoffs before tearing his Achilles, he uh, was averaging 32.3 points per game. So we are back to seeing vintage Kevin Durant as well after such a gruesome injury and a hard injury to recover from. So it'll be interesting to see which teams come out of which conference. Uh, and we will keep all of our listeners updated as all of these events continue to take place. Thank you, Kyle, for that update on the NBA playoffs and how they're going. Um, for those of you who are saying, isn't it too late for the NBA playoffs? Shouldn't that be over? The answer is yes. Same thing with the hockey playoffs. But remember that the pandemic got those seasons off to a late start. So they're also off to a late finish. Um, still no word on how that might impact the start of the next season, but I don't anticipate it'll have a major impact whatsoever. But something to keep an eye on um, in the near future. Something else to keep an eye on. It is now after Memorial Day for those of you who have been looking at your calendars recently. And that means you can now look at the MLB standings and you can start to react to the MLB standings. It was too early. You can't do it till Memorial Day. Now you can. It's after Memorial Day. Take a look at those standings. Um, just to give you a rundown, um, in the AL East, as of today, June 7th, um, Tampa Bay is leading the division, followed closely by Boston then Toronto and the Yankees and Baltimore is like the worst team in baseball in last place in that division. They're the second worst team in baseball in last place in that division in the AL central, the white Sox are leading it followed by the Indians and then the Royals, um, Minnesota and Detroit are tied for last in that division in the AL West. Oakland has a game lead over Houston with Seattle behind them, the Angels, and then Texas is also really, really bad um, in last place in that division. Over to the National League in the East, the Mets are leading it. They're the only team above 500 in that division, only uh, division in baseball where you can say that, only one team above 500. The Braves and Phillies are close on the Mets' heels, though, with the Marlins and Nationals a little ways back. In the NL Central, the Cubs and Brewers are currently tied for the division lead with the Cardinals a few games back, the Reds a couple games behind them, and Pittsburgh is also a bad baseball team. Um, in the NL West, the San Francisco Giants are leading it. I bet you didn't see that coming at the beginning of the year. Um, with the Dodgers, oh, sorry, with the Padres, and then the Dodgers close on their heels. And Colorado and Arizona are buried dead. They're both very bad baseball teams. 
Um, now that yeah. you both have heard the standings, what have been your biggest surprises so far this year? Well, I think you already touched on one already. Uh, is the who would have thought at the end of May, um, beginning of June, that the San Francisco Giants would be leading the NL West? I, I raising my hand, I would not have guessed that. My yeah. everyone was talking about the Dodgers and the Padres being the two teams that would be. Uh, basically running or racing each other towards the end of the season, whoever has the most wins and wins the division. And then whoever doesn't, they're probably have the best or first wild card spot with the most, the second most wins in baseball, but that's not how that's working out right now. The giants have been on a tear. Uh, Their starting pitching has been fantastic. Um, It was something that I didn't see at all. Uh, And another thing that surprised me is how, Atlanta just can still seems to be floundering, trying to find an identity as a baseball team. Their starting pitching hasn't been as strong as it once was. Their offense is good, but they are allowing too many runs um, to even be above 500 at this point, as Mike alluded to. Um, I think those are two of my biggest surprises. And then also maybe a surprise for me was how good Boston was because Boston traded a lot of players prior to the season as well it seemed like they were sellers they were rebooting but apparently they knew they had something and they are very close to being in first place in that division uh right now as well yeah i agree with most of those um the other two that i want to point out um surprised me has been how bad the twins have been. I know I'm a little biased there, but I mean, it's one thing when your team is bad and you knew that your team was going to be bad, but like legit, like non-biased people had the twins as division or even world series. Baseball, baseball writers around major league baseball thought they were the first or second best team in the American league central. Yeah. And they've just been awful. So that's definitely a surprise for me a very disappointing one. Um, the other one that you didn't mention that's been a surprise for me is um, how bad the Angels have been. They're not awful, but I expected this was a year where they would maybe finally be able to compete, and they just haven't done it. So that's been that's been a little surprising for me too. Otherwise, nothing has been particularly surprising. Well, one I know one thing with the Angels for sure. Anthony Rendon being hurt at the beginning of the season, he still hasn't got uh, – gotten really comfortable at the plate uh they a surprise for the angels though is how well Shohei Otani has been after they basically took all the chains off of him and let him go but I thought this team would be would be better than they are uh as Mike alluded to I think that was a surprise as well um and another thing I just want to mention is I'm I guess I'm biased about it, but one of the best trades that I've seen the Royals or acquisitions that I've seen the Royals make in recent history is this Andrew Benintendi Benintendi trade, because without him, I don't think the Royals are in a position where they are right now. Uh, He was the uh, player of the month um, for the Royals organization, and he has been hitting well over 300 um in the month of may and to start june and it was one of those trades where the royals took a big risk he had been struggling at the end of uh his tenure with the boston red sox um they took a risk on him and it has paid off tremendously 
as he just continues to hit for this team. He has moved up into a very critical spot in the batting order. Um, and he's just been great overall, great acquisition. And it's something that you don't see too often, the Royals going out and making those big acquisitions and trades, but it was one that actually worked. And also the Royals are above 500 for the first time at the end of May since the 2015 season, which is another surprise as well, I would say. So no one really expected them to be middle of the, or a 500 baseball team so far this year. They definitely weren't going to lose 100 games again, but no one thought they'd be a 500 baseball team. Yeah. Yeah, they've been they've been a better than people expected, despite that really long, ugly losing streak. In the oh, they had an 11-game losing streak, and then they went on a six- or seven-game winning streak. They've been hot and cold a bunch yeah. this season. But Yeah. Um, so besides looking at the standings, the other big topic of conversation um, we've had in baseball – is this was something that was started um, a couple weeks ago by none other than Joe West. Um, so basically what happened was, just give you a quick briefing, uh, St. Louis Cardinals relief pitcher was coming in and there was a mark on his hat, right? I don't know what it was. I'm not going to speculate as to what it was. There's a mark on his hat. And Joe West basically told him to change hats before he started pitching in case it was an illegal substance that pitchers can't have. Um, so he wouldn't have to throw him out of the game. Anyway, he changed hats. The Cardinals manager got ejected because he wasn't very happy about it. Had a big press conference after the game, sort of being like, everybody's doing these things. Um, and since then there've been players come out to say the same thing. Josh Donaldson of the twins says he has a, a video collection, a catalog, I think he calls it of pitchers who are blatantly using illegal substances. Um, he specifically named Garrett Cole. Um, lots of other people have been naming Trevor Bauer as well. Um, but anyway, so this whole thing actually, instead of just being talk, actually started the gears turning um, at baseball headquarters. And basically all they need to do to solve this is start enforcing rules that are already on the books, right? It's sort of just gone unspoken that umpires don't check unless managers ask them to and managers don't ask them to because then it's presumed that their opposing manager is going to ask about their pitchers who are probably also doing something they're not supposed to. Right. So it's just sort of become this unwritten rule in baseball that you don't ask about illegal substances pitchers are using because you don't want your pitchers to get asked about. Um, but all this conversation has started something so now MLB is finalizing guidance to umpires that's going to start here in the next week or two where um, the umpires will check, um, I've heard upwards of six to eight times a game, they're going to check pitchers um, for illegal substances that they might be using. Um, my understanding of the rules is that that can res minimum results in objection from the ball game. Um, using legal substances can also result in suspensions and fines from there, depending on the type of substance and the um, nature of the transgression. Um, I want to get both of you guys' thoughts about, first of all, these substances use in baseball, and second of all, your thoughts about um, MLB upping enforcement on them. Well, so I just want to say another video that was pretty, I, it raised question to me, 
um, was, I don't know if you guys saw Indians relief pitcher, Karen check. Uh, he has a red baseball glove um, and the video caught the inside of his glove being very much so darker than it should be because the leather is usually one color all the way around inside and out. There are different accent colors, but typically the inside of the glove isn't a completely different color. Um, all I will say is uh, the, the Major League Baseball has to make a decision. If they're going to enforce it, they need to make it universal. If they are not going to enforce it, then they can't just pick and choose players that they're going to make an example of. It either needs to be they are all in on it or they are not turning a blind eye to it and letting it go. Um, yeah, I guess I don't have really much of an opposition either way. I just think they need to be uniform in their the way that they handle this going forward. And it needs to be understood between all umpires and managers as well. So I don't actually know what the rule is that defines an illegal substance, but it seems like to me what generally is used are two legal substances to make an illegal substance, right? Um, most of this sticky stuff, I wouldn't say most of it, but a large majority that seems like Bauer especially has been a big proponent of this, of mixing rosin and sunscreen, which are two legal substances to have on the mound. And the combination of those together make an extremely sticky substance, right? It's very tacky. Yeah. 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 And the whole point of being sticky or tacky is to increase the spin rate on the ball, which makes it less hittable. So I feel like it's a net positive to outlaw these types of sticky substances in the name of making baseball more interesting, which seems to be the MLB's kind of driving motive for rule changes and stuff the past couple of years. Because with a, a ball with a decreased spin rate, it's going to be more predictable uh, to some extent. You're not, you're not going to get nearly uh, as nasty pitches as you'd see with a higher spin rate, which means you're going to hit more balls, which means baseball is going to be more offensive and then therefore probably be more interesting to the average viewer. But I agree. You have to be consistent whether or not you're going to actually apply this rule. So I, I don't know. I, I know a lot of people are kind of crapping on Joe West for calling out that relief pitcher, but honestly, for all the things you can crap on Joe West for, that's not one of them. Right. The um. The umpire there is just doing his job. I'm never going to criticize an umpire for making the correct call. Like, right. in the end, rule number one as an umpire, make the right call. Joe West makes plenty of terrible calls that he, I guess he does need some praise for occasionally making a decent call. <laughs> like, that guy is, his strike zone is wild. Yeah. Also, Wyatt, you asked about the specific wording of the rule. Um, we're going to go to rule 6.02C part four. Um, it just says the pitcher shall not apply a foreign substance of any kind to the ball. So anything, basically. Rosin is the only thing that's allowed with that rosin bag. Everything else technically under major league rule is illegal. Other things you can't do to the ball is expectorate on the ball rub the ball in his glove, person, or clothing, deface the ball in any manner, or deliver a ball altered in a manner prescribed by rule uh, 6.02C, 2 through 5, which is what I just read. So, that, I think that makes the whole sunscreen and rosin thing ambiguous because oh. 
you're not really applying it to the ball, but you know, what if you scratch your neck that has, you know, what if you, you touch your arm? It's not really intentional. Is it? I mean, it could be. Oh, oh so sorry. There's more. I had to go to the next page. Uh -huh. You also cannot uh, have on your person or in your possession, any foreign substance. Um, with the comment that the pitcher may not attach anything to either hand, any finger or wrist, including band-aids, tape, super glue, bracelets, etc. The umpire shall determine if such attachment is indeed a foreign substance for the purposes of 6.02 C7, but in no case may the pitcher be allowed to pitch with such an attachment to his hand, finger, or wrist. Interesting. I'm not, I, I really definitely don't like the what I'll call like the hard foreign substances like pine tar or glue. Right. But making something tacky with rosin and sunscreen, which according to Trevor Bauer works very well. Um, you know, I, I don't know what to think about these kind of softer skirting the rules, almost type of, of tacky things. Yeah. To me, right. The way I look at it is that MLB has got an action problem, right? We all know that you want more action before you go changing the rules of the game of baseball and vain attempts to get more action, enforce the rules you got that are making pitchers dominate hitters, which is leading to more strikeouts. Enforce the rules you got on the books before you start making new rules to fix your problem. That's the way I look at it. So I have a feeling we're going to see offense increase here over the next few months, partially because it gets warmer and offense always increases when it gets warmer. Right. And secondly, because pitchers are going to have to stop using the stuff that they were using. I mean, there was one instance, I think this might've been a White Sox pitcher in a Twins White Sox game who got hit around a little bit in the second inning, changed gloves between the second and third inning, and his spin rate increased by 7% for the rest of the game. I wonder. No, Mike, he just got better. He just naturally got better. It was a scouting report thing, Mike. It, obviously I, I think last week there was 10 minor league pitchers that were suspended for using foreign substances right which there was a number of them i don't know the exact number but yes it was 10 and you know that you can read into that and say hey you know we're coming to the majors next potentially and if you look uh statcast metrics has both bauer and coleman's pitches down on average which is kind of a stat that's worthless down three to four hundred rpm so they probably stopped using these things you know just in case they're, they're going to be investigated within the next week or this past week. Right. And you can kind of take those numbers with a grain of salt because they are all of their, their pitches averaged together. There wasn't one on just the fastball, which is probably the most important one, but that's why. Well, so, so the most important fastball one, I correct me if I'm wrong, Mike, the four seam fastball is the one that ru typically runs up. So you want the higher uh, spin rate on that because a higher spin rate will continue to travel the ball upwards in the zone, which makes it impossible to hit. It's like a, it's basically like a, what a rise ball is in softball. Those are extremely hard to hit. Spin rate matters on every pitch for different reasons, right? On fastball right. because it gets more carry on breaking balls because if it's spinning faster, it's going to break more. Right. So. Or or a knuckleball, you don't want much spin at all because you want that thing to drop. Well, right. We're going to throw knuckleballs out of the equation. Are there any knuckleballers left in Major League Baseball? Anybody uh, is – Oh gosh, who is the one who? There are a couple people who do throw a knuckle curve. Right, um, that's different though. That's not what I want to see. Who was the last knuckleballer? Uh, R. A. Dickey. Well, R. A. Dickey, but didn't Cole Hamels throw a knuckleball as know. well? 
I don't. I don't think he did. I don't remember him being an knuckleballer. I don't think he did. I wish there was more. That's my favorite pitch by far. Also, just for more context, you, you generally see more. Isn't the, the four seamer the, the highest RPM? Yes. That's that's why I was looking at that stat specifically because you're going to see the, the most difference there with a sticky versus non-sticky substance. I should have clarified. Yeah. And- so I think we're all in agreement. As long as you enforce it equally, let's enforce it. Let's let's get this done. If you're going to do it, make it make it equal across all platforms, all players, all levels. Yep. If you're not going to do it, then shut up about it and I get and don't enforce other stupid rules to help improve offense. Honestly, that's something we never talked we didn't talk about. They could just make it legal to use sticky substances. I would be against that. I mean, they that would be going backwards. Yeah. Right? They've been making all these rules, right? They change the baseball every time it touches the dirt because the dirt could change the spin. Pitchers can put whatever the heck they want on the ball. I mean, that, that's the other option, right? Yeah. That is the other that, option. I think option. it's a little extreme, and I think it would be – yeah, it would be a – backwards progression what you they're hopeful to box if you do that who can invent the stickiest thing get it to where they throw a pitch and balk because it doesn't leave their hand yeah yeah anyway something to keep an eye on over the next couple of weeks and we'll of course keep you informed if um any enforcement starts in earnest um so um and of course what we always keep tabs on is will and zastadio baseball savior in our weekly turtle tab. Um, since we had our last podcast episode, he has played in five games. He has been struggling a little bit in those games. He does have one home run um, over that time, but his uh, slash line has definitely decreased over that time. He's down to hitting, uh, or he's down to uh, on base percentage of 265, hitting 255, and only slugging 400. Um, so he's definitely been struggling here over these next two weeks. But he did have another pitching performance against Kyle's Royals um, over the weekend when the Royals scored like 17 runs or something like that. He, uh, he pitched. Um, and if you go strictly by ERA, if you just want to know what the reason that the, the Twins suck so bad, if you just go strictly by ERA, he has the fourth best ERA on the Twins. Okay, but he hasn't pitched enough innings to technically qualify for that stat, has he? No, but if you're just looking at it, he's got the fourth best ERA on the Twins. So doesn't tell the whole story because his FIP, his fielding independent pitching, if you look at, if you're familiar with that stat, is over nine. So a little bit of a difference there. So there you go. But yes, he has, does have the fourth best ERA on the team. For, for reference for everyone, uh, if we remember back to when the entire baseball universe was up in arms over the unwritten rule of not hitting a home run in the uh, on 3-0 while you're up by a ton, your main Mercedes blasted a curveball off Willens Ostadio. So, yeah, that he's he hasn't been superb as a pitcher, but he's been technically above average as a relief pitcher. Yes. Yes. Technically above average, but I don't know. Also, also, he's got some great hair. He does. We love his, we love his hair. He does. He's a, uh, yeah. He's also got, uh, you know, that catchers, 
He's got that old uh, catcher's habit. So even when he's playing infield, when somebody hits a pop-up, you'll see him take off his hat and get rid of it because he's so used to having to get rid of the catcher's mask, right? So he'll do that same thing with his hat when he's catching pop-ups with the old catcher's habit. So, yeah, it's kind of fun to watch. Well, speaking of Willens Ostadio playing everywhere, Mike, do you think the Twins are going to start using him in the outfield more regularly because your outfielders can't figure out how to catch fly balls or throw them back to the infield? Did play the outfield in one at least one game against the Royals because the Twins out all four of the Twins outfielders that were on the opening day roster are on the injured list right now. Like that's not good. For reference, in the first game of this series, what I'm talking about, the uh, newly called up uh, twin center fielder drops a fly ball. Tie game, eighth or ninth inning, right, Mike? Eighth inning, I think. Tie game, drops the ball, runs into the left fielder, drops it, uh, then overthrows the second baseman, the cutoff man, on the way in, allowing the winning run to score uh, in that game. If, if, if it, that that's a guy who's only played 16 games above a ball. That's how desperate the twins outfield is. They they've been starting a center fielder who's only played 16 games above a ball. And in uh, Sunday's game, your the twins right fielder trips over that uh, random groundhog or uh, sprinkler out in right field while trying to feel the ball yeah. uh, and lets it run roll all the way to the roll wall the, the tw- as the well. Twin, the twins outfield for most of that series was three rookies. So Alex Kirloff, Roberto Celestino, and Trevor Linick, three rookies. That's how bad it is. Three rookies in the outfields. Yeah, it's been a disaster. Instead of angels in the outfield, it's rookies in the outfield. New Uh spinoff. How the Twins 2021 season falls apart. Yes. We got it. Hey, we write a book about it. Or maybe make it into a Netflix documentary. At least something good can come out of this twin season. Yeah, there could be some good things to come out of it for sure. But we'll see. A lot of baseball left to be played. Um, I, I've got a question for you guys to open up Mike's Stupid Rules. The, there's, a, there's a ball um, hit down the line. Um, how do you know whether that ball is fair or foul? Well, firstly, it's a foul ball if it's not fair. Okay, so how do you know whether it's fair? Well, it depends. Where'd the ball land? What'd it hit first? What did it hit first? You tell me. You you talk out the scenarios here. So you know so it, not. a ball can hit the base, either first or third base, and that ball can be fair. Yes. Uh, if a ball bounces on the infield before it reaches the bag and hops over the bag, that can also be a fair ball. Yes, the bag is fair. That's correct. And then any ball in the outfield has to drop inside the line in order to be a foul, a fair ball. On or inside the line. On or inside the line. You're right. Or it can hit the foul pole, right? That's yes. hitting the foul pole or being inside the foul pole is a home run, which technically, I guess, I don't know if you consider it a fair ball or not. But Yeah, home run. Oh, I think I know where Mike might be going with this. Is this the home run or not home run that Miguel Sano hit where it went over the foul pole? No, I thought that ball was foul. Oh, Not okay. For, but yes, it has. If you hit the ball so high that it's over the foul pole, the umpires have to use their judgment there, to right? To be whether it would. Well, because right, because it's easy. Speaking of this, a little sidetrack. Obviously, if the ball, if you see the ball go in front of the foul pole, 
foul ball. If you see the ball disappear behind the foul pole, fair ball, obviously easily distinguishable, but you can't see that in an imaginary line. If you hit it so dang high above the foul pole. Yeah. Uh, do you have any other ideas, Wyatt? Uh, well, I'm trying to think. So talk about, so you guys, you guys said what I wanted you to say, but I want to clarify one point. So you yeah. guys said if it hit inside or on the line, it is fair. Only past. Right. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. That past is, the bags. That is not quite correct. No. If it, if a ball is inside on or over the foul line, the, 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 the baseline, then it is fair. When it touches a player, right? Is that no, what? no, no, no. So what I'm saying, the ball is a sphere, right? Yeah. Balls are spheres. Not all points of a sphere are on the ground, right? So even if the whole part of the ball that makes contact with the ground is in foul territory, if the part of the sphere that is above the oh, ground that, is still above the foul line, it is a yeah. fair ball. It's like the AB cylinders in, in basketball for foul. Yep. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So, right. So, since the ball is a sphere, it doesn't have to hit the foul line to be fair as long as it is over the line. Over the line is enough. This came up in a, um, I don't remember who they were playing, but in a Cardinals game. It was, a, it was on a ground ball in the infield, but it's the same rule in this case, right? It was a slow roller that was maybe going to go foul, maybe not. And as soon as it's touching, um, foul territory the third baseman picks it up and then the umpire rules it fair and everybody's confused because it's like it's in foul territory but if you look down the line it's like it's, it's still over the line because the ball is a sphere and not all points of the sphere touch the ground i didn't know that the, the cross-sectional plane of the widest part of the ball correct over the line is still fair so huh. there you go I, I remember seeing that play and I remembered what the call was, or I remembered that they called it as a fair ball, but I didn't know exactly why. Cause all of the, weren't the uh, commentators for that game super confused as well. Yes, they had, they didn't know. I didn't, I didn't know this rule until I watched a video about that play. They didn't know the rule either. I would be, I would bet the third baseman didn't know that rule. I wouldn't be surprised. It's, it's a very obscure rule, but it is the rule. So there you go. That's, that's why I figured I'd tell you, because if I didn't know it, I bet a lot of our listeners also did not know that. I did not know that rule either. I didn't either. So there you go. Now you know. A ball can hit totally in foul territory and still be fair. Um, so as we mentioned in our last episode, we're going to have a very big um, write that down prediction segment this week, because as our longtime listeners know, the end of May is the end of our write that down prediction season. So since we're into June, um, our write that down prediction season has ended. So we've got to take all of the remaining predictions from last season and take them off the board here. And after we do that, and before we make our next prediction, we'll give you our final standings for the year. Um, so first coming off the board, one prediction from Josh. He predicted that, and the wording is important on this, so listen. He predicted that Mike Patton will be fired by the Packers after the end of the season. He was not fired by the Packers. They just did not renew his contract that expired. So, Josh, the spirit of your prediction was correct. Because you said fired, this is an incorrect prediction. So, nah. 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 
Um, next to prediction from Wyatt um, that the Cubs would not be last in the NL Central at the end of May. They were not. Ding, 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 ding. Ding, ding, ding. Kyle predicted the Royals would be third or better um, at the end of May in the AL Central at the end of May, which was correct. They were in third. So ding, 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 ding. Ding, ding, ding. I predicted the Indians would not be in second place or better at the end of May. They were in second. So for that, I get a nah. I also predicted the Royals would be in second place or better, but we just learned that they're in third, and third is not second or better. So for that, I get a meh. Wyatt predicted that the Cubs would be above 500 at the end of May. Um, They definitely were also above 500, so you're making progress here as your predictions get bigger. So ding, 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 ding. Ding, ding, ding. I predicted... um, with about three weeks left in the hockey regular season that the wild would play a seven game playoff series against the Vegas golden Knights, which they did. That was a home run by the way, that I got correct. So ding, ding, um, the wild lost though. So that was a little sad, but anyway, I got the prediction, right? So at least that was worth something. Um, Way back at the beginning of the season, I predicted that the twins would be in the top two of the AL central by the end of May. Um, they were either in fourth or last, one of the two. They've been trading places with the Tigers recently. Anyway, that's not the top two, so I get a nah. Nah. And Wyatt predicted the Cubs would be at the top of the NL Central as of June 1st, which is equivalent of the end of May. Um, and she was correct by half a game. They were ahead of the Cardinals by half a game at the end of the month. So, ding, 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 ding. Ding, ding, ding. So that is all our predictions from this last season that have now come off the board. So now, of course, we will give you our final batting averages, slugging percentage. And I'll also throw in average number of bases per prediction, just so we see who's, uh, who's swinging more, more or less aggressively. First, for batting averages, how, how should I do this? Should I go fourth to last? How, how, oh, fourth, to fourth, fourth? Yeah. fourth to first, not yeah. fourth to last. Okay. In fourth place in, what is this, season three now of Write That Down Predictions? Season yeah. three. Um, Josh is in last place with a batting average of 237. Josh batted 237 and is in last place. In third place with a batting average of 312.5. That's how close third and second were with 312.5 is Kyle. Dang. In second place with a batting average of 313.1. So by point by point oh 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 six on that batting average, Wyatt outlasts Kyle with a 313.1 batting average. And absolutely dominating the field in first place with a 467 batting average. You heard that right. 467 was myself. Um, Moving along to slugging percentages. um, In last place with a slugging percentage of 526 is Josh. He slugged a lot better than he hit. He uh, had some good, good contact there. In third place, just above Josh with a slugging percentage of 549 is Wyatt. Um, in second place, slugging 
46 is Kyle. So you outslugged Wyatt pretty good there by 100 points. Uh, and in first place, again, lapping the field with a slugging percentage of 933 was Mike. I hit 466 with a 933 slugging percentage. That's pretty good. Dang. Um, that's that's Hall of – that's that'd probably be record-worthy in the MLB for a season. Yep. Um, and as far as average number of bases per attempt – um, in fourth place was Mike, myself, with 2.46 bases per attempt. Um, in third place with 2.60 bases per attempt was Kyle. In second place with 2.63 bases per attempt was Wyatt. And Josh was leading the way with a 2.65 bases per attempt so you three were all really really close on bases per attempt and i was a little bit below you so take that as a strategy going forward maybe less bases might be the way to win going forward so mike takes home the batting title for this season i believe that's my first batting title in three years so josh took home the batting title last season i believe yep that's correct based on my numbers and i think Took the inaugural season. And in season one, Wyatt, did you say you took it? I think so. Uh, going back to look at the numbers. No, I did take the – oh, nope, sorry. I was looking at my wrong season. Um, you did take the inaugural season, Wyatt, batting 343. Everybody else was in the 200s, and you hit 243 in that – or 343 in that first season, so – all right, Kyle, next season. This season starting right yeah, now. Yeah, Kyle, the pressure's on you. You're the only one to not have a batting title. No, no, no. no. See, you, not everyone has to win a batting title in order to be a solid player for a team. You you got to have those solid contributors. And, you know, I feel like slugging six, six whatever, that's pretty good. So yeah, it's not terrible. I'll take that. Yeah. But as Mike said, we are starting a new season. And, and just to clarify, some of the predictions that we have made right. that were obvious in um, the last probably couple months that obviously weren't going to be done by May have already been on the board for the next season. So there are some things already on the board for the next season, but everything from now on, of course, will be for season four of the Write That Down Prediction segment. But since we are starting this season right now, this is technically the start of the season, I know we discussed in episodes past of penalizing players who do not put a prediction mm. in for a week is that still something we're interested in doing because i think that's a good idea i would say yes i think you've got to you've got to at least uh yes you have to at least um make a prediction every week if you don't make a prediction it will be marked as na which will be wrong with an attempt of a single um for the batted ball for the total bases Sound good? I like that. All right. That is a new rule for season four of the 8311 cast. Write that down predictions. We'll clarify a little bit when it comes to the end of the season, how many predictions you have to make for um, which season closer to the end, but you have to make a prediction every week. Kyle, you want to uh, get us started here for this season? I will start off season four with the inaugural prediction. So officially starting. The person who's leading off should have the better batting average. Do we need to change this order? 
that Kyle shouldn't lead off. No, 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 no. Average sucks. I, I uh, maybe we need to. Maybe whoever wins the batting title, the pre, hey, new, actually new, new rule for this season. Whoever and going forward, whoever wins the batting title the previous season has to lead off. Okay. Do we do it like totally in order, or do we just do? So now it should be Mike, Josh, myself, and then Kyle. Yeah. I'm okay with that. That's fine. Um, Josh. Yeah. Yep. Okay. No, Josh came in last. Why is he going second? Right. What? Last season. Yeah, he came in last last season. What? Who was? Who won last season then? Oh, oh, oh! You're talking about who won the seasons, not the order of this previous season. I see. No. Oh, I I meant the order of the previous season. It was so you're you're at the top, right? If you win. And then we just keep shoving people at the top. I got you now. Yes. Okay. I like that. Yes. I will change the order to reflect that. That way the order is a historical record of sorts. Mm. I Mm. got you. Mm -hmm. I got you. We're getting it done. So Mike, followed by Josh, followed by Wyatt, followed by Kyle. All right. There we go. The new order is established in the outline. So that means I'm leading off for the season. See, I'm going to forget that and just automatically say, Kyle, you want to get us started? Even though it's me. So I will get us started. Um, My prediction is with the Twins, the disaster, as we discussed earlier, they will trade at least two major league players by the deadline. At least two. Could be more. Uh, How many current starters are in contract years? Do you have that? Starting players or starting pitchers? Uh, how many, I guess I would say either prominent bullpen pieces, starting rotation players, or any position players, how many of them are in contract years? Because um, that's obviously the biggest determining factor. Yeah. In contract years, in the bullpen, you've got, uh, Hansel Robles. He's been terrible. He's been fine. He hasn't been great, but he's been fine. Okay. He's the least of our problems in the bullpen. Alex Colomay's got a mutual option that won't be picked up. So technically he's he's in a contract year, but he's not going to get traded. Nobody's going to want him. Um, J.A. Happ, Matt Shoemaker, and Michael Pineda in the starting rotation are all free agents at the end of the year. Um, In the lineup, Nelson Cruz is the big one um, Mm. on a one-year deal. I could definitely see Cruz getting traded. I could also see either Schumacher or Hap getting traded easily, just someone looking for a veteran, maybe long reliever bullpen option. Uh, and you look at Shoemaker's ERA. I know, he's been terrible. Almost 10. Yeah. And you probably he's probably going to get cut. So if anybody wants him, they shouldn't trade anything for him. He'll be available for nothing in two weeks. I don't know. This is This is tough. At least two. I think they'll trade at least one, but two. Oh, sorry. And Dalton Simmons, shortstop, also on a one-year deal, if that mattered. I'm double, triple. Wyatt, what do you think? Triple. (laughs) Um, Since Mike won, we should give him a double. (laughs) Penalize for winning. Penalize me for being better. I'm too good of a hitter. Yeah. me up so I don't No, you're Nelson Cruz. You don't have enough speed on the base. Base path. You only get a hey, double for that hey, hit. Nelson Cruz stole a base. I know. Stole a base. You should be embarrassed that a 41-year-old stole a base against your team. But Kyle. he got thrown out by a mile at home. He still stole a base. He's got more stolen bases over 40 than you'll have in your entire career, Kyle. True fact. True. So, 
Josh is next. Is he still alive? Do you have anything for him to put down this week? Yep, I do have a prediction for him. Um, he is predicting that Christian Yelich will get back on track here, and he's going to hit two home runs against the Brewers' upcoming series against the Reds that starts on Tuesday. Mm. Um, let me confirm whether it's a three- or four-game series for us, quick. It is a three-game series. How many homers does he have on the year? Uh, I did not look that up in advance. Give me a second. Uh, baseball reference, 2021, uh, three homers so far. In nah. say getting back on track. So I'm thinking triple a home run for this. What do you guys think? I like I like triple. I like the triple as well. Sounds good. Triple it is. Wyatt, what do you got? Since it's the start of the season, I have to put my traditional uh, prediction down, which is that we're, there will be a one-point safety in football sometime this year. That's a home run. There's no discussion needed about that one. Kyle? Yeah, so tonight, uh, Monday, uh, June 7th, the Royals are calling up a AAA player, uh, next, one of their newest pitching prospects, uh Jackson Kowar will make his debut against the Los Angeles Angels. My prediction is that in this game, he will go at least five innings, five or more innings, while allowing two or fewer earned runs. See, you made us very similar prediction last time they called up a rookie pitcher, and it didn't work for I did. It, it backfired. You're going back to the well on this. What did we give you last time for that similar prediction? Let me go look. Uh, you need to go look for sure. Uh, I did say six or more innings before, but yeah. the reason I'm saying five or more innings here is because he's only pitching on four days rest right now, which is why I think he'll be on a pitch count. Yeah. Uh, you said six innings, less than three earned runs, um, and we gave you a triple for it. So this is a double or a triple, Wyatt. What do you think? It was six or more innings was his original prediction. His original prediction, yes. With three or fewer earned runs. Runs. No, you said fewer than three. Oh, okay. So probably... Basically, it's the same prediction, but with one less inning. I I don't know. Is that worthy of knocking the the point value down or not? Yeah, I don't know. I don't know either. Um, I I don't don't care. I'm fine with a triple, I guess. All right, we'll give him a triple. So with a double, two triples, and a home run, that concludes our inaugural write-that-down-predictions segment for our fourth season, which means we're at the end of the episode, which means we are at the end of the episode, like I just said. Thank you so much <laughs> to episode 132 of the A311 cast. We appreciate you all sticking around and checking in on us every week. Make sure you check out our Instagram at A311cast, as always. Until next week, signing off for the A311 cast, we have your hosts, Kyle Mersh, Mike Godwick, and Wyatt Deer. Talk to y'all again next week. Go Cyclones. Go Cyclones. Go Cyclones.